with me Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, the popcorn is on me Hello, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning the second here, hanging out with Mr. Thomas Manning on C19 TV, uh, where you can find us on television, and you can also find us on the radio and the podcast version as well through WGWG and WGWG.org. Thomas, uh, good to see you, buddy. Hope you're doing all right. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Wish we could be in the studio today, but uh, we'll, we'll get back there soon enough. We will, uh, we will, and you know it, it, the the beauty of what we discovered uh, during the early part of the pandemic, Thomas, was that we can still do the show. If the show must go on, we will find a way to make sure it goes on. Uh, and sure. we have quite a bit to try to cover today. Uh, last week, I was going to cover a, a review of the three five five, which has uh, been released, and we ended up doing a, a celebration of the North Carolina Film Critics awards uh, but i do want to do just a quick uh, overview of the 355 uh, what a cast uh you've got uh, jessica chastain sebastian stan penelope cruz diane kruger uh, lupita nyong'o and if you want to find a cool picture of lupita nyong'o go to getty's images and search for her for the critics choice awards 2020 and you may see a bodyguard that looks something like noel manning uh back there behind her that's a great photo thomas am i not kidding it's it's one of the greats yeah yeah um <laughs> just the the framing the composition the lighting and uh you know the, the focus you got yeah, absolutely you know, got your back you got your bodyguard in the background there That's just everything right. about it is phenomenal so, and, and the problem is we cannot show you that photo because we'd have to pay for it but yeah, uh, there, yeah. there is someone that if you just google it I'm sure you might find somebody you might recognize from this particular show. Uh, the 355 being released in, in January, an action film like this, uh, you would have some high expectations for that cast and it being an action film, but because it was released in January, it, it kind of leads you to wonder, hmm, 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 hmm. I wonder if this was uh, just a film that they were gonna put out there in Never Neverland. And I, I gotta say, love the talent love the casting choices but the screenplay was incredibly weak uh, as well as the direction it was a in many ways thomas just a cookie cutter uh, action film and i think that the, the talent underutilized because of that and so I, my quick rating for this is just a c rating it's average uh, forgettable um, I, I hate it because i had high expectations for this but uh, the 355 uh, that is out a C rating for that particular action film. Any uh, questions, thoughts, or comments before we move on to uh, a film that's a, a much slower paced film in a car? Uh, yeah, well, so how was the action itself in 355? I mean, it's an action film and you said the overall is pretty weak. So how, how was the action? Yeah, the action was, was honestly cookie cutter as well. It was, it was good, but nothing spectacular. Uh, let me just put it this way when we vote on best stunts next year i'm not going to be thinking about the 355 for the best stunts uh and the best action sequences uh not a whole lot that's memorable in this one and i hate it i i, I really uh, uh, had hoped for more and uh, just didn't deliver all right well uh then i won't 
I won't make that a priority for this January. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's not a not a bad thing to to bypass this one. There are, are any more uh, action films and TV series that are uh, much better uh, than this. Uh, now uh, there is an international film, Thomas, uh, that's getting some really good buzz. Uh, four Best Picture awards throughout award season already. Fifteen uh, Best International or Foreign Language films. Uh, this is a much slower paced film than any kind of action film. It's three hours long. Uh, it does require attention. Uh, I thought it was well paced, though, as a human drama, and I, I really appreciated that. The movie's called Drive My Car. Um, we, we talked briefly about it last week with Douglas because it did receive the uh, North Carolina Film Critics Award for Best uh, Foreign Language Film. Uh, let's get some of your thoughts, and then I'll share some of mine. This film, Drive My Car. Yeah, so it's adapted from a short story, but uh, it kind of took me on this emotional journey to an extent that most stories, most films can only dream of doing. Uh, it's it's beautiful and exhaust, exhausting, but also just overwhelming. Um, and it examines the roots of really who we are as people, um, what shapes us and how much we're tied to the past, whether that be in a positive or negative sense. Um, and the way that it looks at relationships is just so honest and vulnerable. Um, and a lot of the scenes feel structured like a stage play, which is really interesting because uh, one of the centerpieces of the story itself is a stage production. Uh, you know, like our main character is a uh, you know stage play director and actor, and uh, Chekhov's uh, Uncle Vanya is one of the main elements in the plot. Um, so seeing the parallels between the art and storytelling of that Chekhov piece. Uh, versus the Chekhov piece versus the realities of the lives of these characters. Uh, it's really well constructed. And um, it was something that just continually left me uh, amazed with how they were able to weave together such a really, um, you know, just overwhelming thread of emotional events. Yeah, I thought it was very methodical, Thomas. Uh, it, it did cover things about regret, uh, transformations, and also I appreciate that it looked at the frailty and also the strength um, of, of who we are as humans and, and the choices that we make in our lives. You mentioned the one part kind of stage play and a one part road trip. I like that. I thought that worked really well with, with the balance of this. Um, I, I found that this was also a film that I continued to think about after I watched it and um, to think about what it is that I find important in life. And I appreciated how that spoke to me. Um, there are subtitles, so, so know that up front. This is not a fast and furious road trip by any means. It's intentionally slow and steady. Um, but if you're up for a, a ride like this, it might make you want to ponder some things. I, I, I think it's worth, uh, worth hopping in and, and uh, taking a ride with the film Drive My Car. Any final thoughts or comments before I give you my rating for this? Yeah, so it is three hours, and it's three hours of really heavy material, but like also not, it doesn't feel that um, it's something that is a lot of work to get through when you're watching it because you just get sucked up into all these conversations and, and the performances that, um, you know, the time does really just kind of take by. And, um, you know, a lot of it is kind of in real time with these characters uh, because like they're in a 20 minute car ride and you're sitting there with them during that 20 minutes listening to their conversations. So just the way it's paced is, um, you know, very well done. And also that goes back to the editing, uh, just, you know, from top to bottom, drive my car is uh, a phenomenal work. And 
I'm happy to see the attention and buzz is getting this award season. Yeah, I, I will. I will agree with that. And for those that do not like subtitles, uh, it's not a film for you. So uh, we'll, we'll let you know that right up front. My rating for this is a solid A rating. Uh, what about you, Thomas, for the film Drive My Car? I'm going to give an A plus to Drive My Car. Okay. Wow. Very good. Uh, perfect uh, rating for Thomas for Drive My Car. Uh, it is award season. So there are a lot of films that, that we're talking about today that do connect to uh, different types of awards for different reasons. Tragedy and Macbeth, when you think about Shakespeare uh, and Shakespearean films, they're typically gonna show up in awards related categories. Uh, we're seeing that with, a, uh, with one of the Coen brothers uh, bringing uh, a story to life that relates to a Scottish Lord, witches and an ambitious wife and no, it's not a Manning family reunion. We'll let you know that right up front, uh, but Shakespeare is alive and well in this uh, screenplay and um, film that's directed by Joel Cohen. Yes, I believe it is Joel's first film without his brother. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, Joel and Ethan, the Cohen brothers have been forces in the industry for 30 plus years, but kind of looks like now they might be splitting up and doing some solo projects, which I think that's, that's a fine thing. Um, and uh, here we have Joel taking on a Shakespearean tragedy and Everything about it is truly Shakespearean, including the language. It is uh, pretty much they use the same language that uh, was in Shakespeare's original writings. And um, so I think audiences should know that going into it, because I actually didn't know that before <laughs> I watched the movie. And it, it didn't really have a negative impact on my viewing experience because like, well, also, I think it is worth noting that I'll watch anything and everything and uh but for some audience members they might be slightly turned off by that um so, but, so if you're turned off by uh subtitles and if you're turned off by black and white so far we're not giving you anything except maybe the 355 to watch <laughs> yeah yeah and uh you know and 14th century shakespearean language as well uh but the thing is this film is just constructed so gorgeously from a visual perspective that even if you don't hear a word the characters are saying or don't understand anything that's being said, you can watch it and, you know, still feel everything that's going on. Because, I mean, really a lot of this movie is about feeling uh, because these characters or the actors playing the characters just embody the emotions to such an extent. Uh, of course, Denzel Washington uh, is incredible in this. You also have Francis McDormand, uh, so Denzel plays Lord Macbeth, Francis McDormand is Lady Macbeth, um, and seeing their, um, you know, seeing how they fall into temptation and uh, the, the treachery that they encounter and how that kind of influences some decisions they make for the worst. It's a really, uh, you know, definitely a slow descent into madness for the Lord Macbeth character, um, and Denzel plays that really well um also Corey hawkins in a supporting role is uh also puts in some great work here um and just uh this kind of going back to what i said about just the emotions that they they portray and establish across the screen um like even if you are even if you're trying to understand what they're saying and it's not quite comprehending it, it still will click just because you see their body language and their expressiveness and the way the camera moves around them. And, uh, you know, that kind of ties back into the cinematography, which I'll let you talk about a little bit because it is some really 
uh, stunning cinematography. Yeah, and you you nailed it. Uh, wonderful directing and wonderful acting. Uh, can find a way to make a film that may be hard uh, to, to digest and difficult to dive into because of subject matter, maybe because of language barriers. Uh, it can make it work and work so well that you forget uh, about the dialogue uh, altogether. And I think that Joel Cohen did such a marvelous job and we're getting award season love for this with adapted screenplay as we should and also cinematography. Now, you mentioned shot in black and white. I found this story because it was shot in black and white to be even more haunting. I've always found the story to be haunting, uh, not just because there's witches involved, but just something about uh, about the tragedy that unfolds because of choices in the character, but characters. But the black and white really, really, really made this work. Uh, I, I tell you, Thomas, as I was watching this, I felt like I was watching something that uh, an American Kurosawa would have created. And I know that he created a version of this as well, but, uh, but I, I loved the uh, choices of shots, the edits, and the storytelling. I also appreciated the many layers um, that Cohen brought to the story. Uh, Denzel's interpretation of Macbeth, both, both with kind of sadness and vulnerability, but also just this passion, loved that. Uh, a lot of other versions of this film throughout the years, uh, I've seen some that I'm going to recommend. Orson Welles from 1948, uh, worth checking out. Patrick Stewart's version from 2010, and Michael Fassbender did a different type of version uh, in 2015. But Tragedy of Macbeth, for me, gets a solid A rating. Yeah, and uh, going back, you mentioned the witches. I want to um, you know, give some props to Catherine Hunter, who portrays the witches. And this was actually her first feature film role, I believe. Um, but she has an incredible history as a stage performer. Um, and, um, you know, she made an incredible transition. Um, she does some like contortions in this film with her body. Uh, that was me. That was me. I did it. I was the stunt double. <laughs> oh, you were the stunt double. Okay. All right. Well, well, I was going to say that was actually her doing that. So it was not me. It was her. <laughs> what is your rating, Thomas, for the uh, tragedy of Macbeth? I got to give a solid, um, solid A minus the tragedy of Macbeth. All right. Good deal. Uh, we are uh, hanging out talking movies right here on Meet Me at the movie C19 TV and the WGWG.org. We're going to come back after the break. And there are a lot of other things we want to talk about, including uh, Matrix Resurrections, Belfast, Come On, Come On, and uh, some farewells as well. We'll see how much we're able to get to uh, after this quick intermission right here on Meet Me at the Movies. Please stick around. Baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm going to be a star. CCC, we're all about training students for exciting careers. Our Barber Academy is a great example. Did you know jobs for barbers, stylists, and other related fields are increasing? Competition for the best jobs will be strong. With your CCC training, you'll have a definite edge. Our courses give you the skills and knowledge you need to sit for North Carolina's Apprentice Barber Exam. 
To move up the ladder, you need at least one year of on-the-job training before you take the state's registered barber exam. If you pass, it's official. You'll be a registered barber. While private barber schools can cost $10,000 or more, CCC makes it affordable. Plus, you can complete our Barber Academy in only 15 months. Now the question is, are you ready to start your journey today? Between your job, your family, and other demands on your time, life can get pretty hectic. So we want you to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Jennifer Harrell, and I want you to join me for your health. Each month, the Cleveland County Health Department and C19 TV will explore topics that affect you and your family's health. We'll discuss the importance of exercise, a healthy diet, and regular health screenings and checkups. From fitness tips to warning signs to the latest health care news. For your health will help keep you in shape and up to date in Cleveland County. We want you to be your best, so join us each month for your health. Right here on Spectrum Cable and online, c19.tv. I'm Megan Pope, your host of Woman to Woman, a show about women for women. Each month we feature guests that highlight topics that focus on self-care, health, and well-being, and a variety of other topics for women young and well-seasoned here in Cleveland County. So join me right here on Woman to Women on C19 TV and C19.TV, a broadcast service of Cleveland Community College. Hello, welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here and Thomas Manning talking films, talking cinema, talking some things that you may or may not want to check out. Before the break, we gave a couple of uh, solid ratings to the tragedy in Macbeth and also Drive My Car, not so much for the 355. Uh, Matrix Resurrections, uh, fourth installment of the Matrix franchise, Thomas. It launched a, a really special effects revolution back in 1999. A long-awaited sequel, one we've been waiting for for a long time. I, I, I kind of consider this a love letter to fans, but also it continues to explore themes about identity uh, and, and a bit more Matrix Resurrections. Let's get your thoughts, Thomas. Yeah, so uh, this somehow continues to add even deeper twists to the question of, you know, what's real and what's not. Uh, the, just the trippiness and mind-bending nature of all that. We thought it had reached its peak with the original Matrix films from between 1999 and 2003, but here we are in 2021 slash 2022. Um, Lana Wachowski has found a way to you know, construct a film with uh, certain elements in the screenplay that dig into that idea uh, you know, even deeper than we imagined even possible. Um, and it's really interesting listening to uh, Lana talk about the inspiration behind uh, going back to this franchise. And it was actually 
a way for her to channel some of her grief that she'd been dealing with uh, in uh, personal life. Her father died, and then she had a friend that died, and then her mom died. Um, and then she was kind of struggling to see, you know, how, how can I, uh, you know, channel all these emotions into something positive. So she went back to the thing that uh, had been, you know, kind of a crucial element in the beginning of her artistic career and also just uh, really just crucial element in her life was the Matrix. So she went back to that and to these characters of Neo and Trinity, which had been so familiar and uh, basically really comforting. And um, so I just think whenever I see a project like that, how um, it could be therapeutic for the artist, um, that automatically just latches, you know, connects with me and um, I'm willing to give a film um, more more the benefit of the doubt, even if there are some flaws in it, it just because it means something like that so personally to the artist, um, I, you know, I tend to um, connect with it more, so. Yeah, I, I loved that uh, this film did bring back, of course, familiar faces that we were hoping we would see. Not all of them. Yeah, you couldn't bring back all of them, but we did bring back uh, some of the ones that we knew we wanted if we were going to see uh, The Matrix uh, on screen again. Uh, I, I thought that the film was also true to itself uh, in exploring depth um, of, of story, of character, uh, and, and there were some complicated layers of, of this uh, as we saw in the uh, the earlier installments, but in many ways, the film also kind of felt self-aware meta, uh, if you want to use that. It kind of deconstructs the franchise in, in certain ways. Uh, at the heart of this film, 2.5 hours, so two and a half hours or so, I think it's a message about love. Um, I think love is something that was was really strong and resonated with me, and we're better when we understand that and with, with you love who we are, but also love with whom we engage. Uh, that's what really resounded with me. The original film is a favorite for me in the franchise, and this is number two on the list uh, of the four films. Yeah, and bringing back Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss uh, to see, like, there's nobody else who could play uh, Neo and Trinity, um, but so I'm really glad that we have them back, and they haven't missed a beat, obviously. Um, but with some of the supporting cast, I thought it was really interesting the way they kind of reimagined, um, especially Hugo Weaving's Agent Smith. You have Jonathan Groff basically playing a version of Agent Smith. And then as Morpheus, uh, of course, played by Lawrence Fishburne, we have Yahya Abdul-Mateen. And um, the way that works is, uh, and the way they kind of explain that within the context of the narrative, it's a really, uh, really fascinating thing. And I think it works. It works for me. I know it didn't work for everybody, but uh, I was really, um, really thrilled to see how they wove that together. And obviously we know that, uh, you know, Abdul Mateen and Jonathan Groff are incredible, incredible performers. And uh, they add some unique spins onto these classic characters uh, in great ways. Also, I got to mention Jessica Henwick in there as well. Um, We've seen her in um, some other franchise. We saw her in Iron Fist on Netflix, and uh, she's an incredible martial artist and stunt performer and actor, and uh, she's great in this. And then Neil Patrick Harris is in here as well, and uh, we we all know that he's a really talented individual. Um, and so really, really deep cast. Uh, also, the colors in this film from a cinematography standpoint, um, you know, the lighting 
is uh, the lighting and just the color and the like color grading probably some of the best I've seen in a blockbuster um, in a few years. So definitely got to mention cinematography here. Uh, oh, I'm right there with you. I'm right there yeah, with you. Yeah. Now, what, what is your uh, rating for uh, the Matrix uh, Resurrections? I'm going to give a solid B plus to Matrix Resurrection. Yeah. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm not too far off from you. I'm, I'm giving it a solid B, uh, Matrix Resurrections. You can still find that uh, in theaters. And also you can find it on HBO Max. Well, Thomas, uh, we, uh, we're about out of time, but I do want to mention some farewells. Uh, we lost some, uh, some greats of cinema uh, and, uh, and TV as well. Betty White, 99 years old, uh, from radio to TV to film, she was equally, equally talented no matter what she did. Uh, I've always found her to be witty. She was engaging, and she was memorable in any role she took, from Mary Tyler Moore to the Golden Girls to The Proposal to Snickers commercials and much more. Uh, she also earned a Guinness Book of World Record for the longest TV career by a female uh, entertainer. Uh, man, she was just amazing and just really a month away from being 100. Uh, she won uh, American Comedy Awards, Screen Actors Guild Awards, and Grammy Awards as well. Hollywood Walk of Fame, of course, and she was a 1995 TV Hall of Fame inductee. Betty White, uh, we will miss her. Also, Sidney Poitier uh, died at 94, a groundbreaking actor from the Bahamas. Uh, he was a pioneer and really the epitome of cool and class. Uh, so many wonderful performances over the years. I could spend a decade talking about those. But his ensemble with Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, and Ripper Phoenix in the movie Sneakers is one that you and I both have a special connection on. Uh, Sidney Poitier, if you've never seen Sneakers, uh, check that out. And Peter Bogdanovich, a director, writer, actor, producer, and film critic, and also a film historian, died at 82. Uh, he was an Oscar winner and a Grammy winner for directing a Tom Petty documentary uh, that was a concert film, Running Down a Dream. Key films to view for Peter Bogdanovich, What's Up Doc, The Last Picture Show. And in 2018, he, he brought back Orson Welles' film that had never been finished, and he finished it, uh, The Other Side of the Wind. We uh, say farewell to those three. Thomas, just a couple minutes. Any thoughts on, on the three of those? Uh, so, yeah, obviously, they were all before my generation, but I am familiar with their work as someone who always likes to go back and see you know, kind of who laid the foundations for the art that we have today. And all three of them um, consistently came up in the cycle of, you know, like what movie do I need to watch to understand this movie? Or, you know, what performance do I need to watch to understand where this performer got their inspiration from? And the three of them, um, whether it be directing or acting, um, they always came up to the forefront of some of the, um, some of the filmographies that I need to go and check out in order to understand what I'm watching today. So, um, you know, it's, it's always, it is always pretty sad to see them go, but their work and their legacy will definitely live on. It sure will. Uh, and, uh, we were, we're thankful for what they provided and thankful that there is that legacy, as you mentioned, that, uh, we can always go back and, and check out the work that they brought, uh, to the world, uh, and to the world of entertainment through, through film and television, uh, and, and other forms of arts and entertainment. Uh, next week, we're hoping to review some films, including uh, Belfast, Come On, Come On. And uh, we may even take you on a journey with uh, Boba Fett, uh, uh, Hawkeye, which, uh, you know, we, we haven't had a chance to talk about that 
Star Trek Discovery is something that Greg's been wanting to talk about. So we're going to talk about the newest season of that, hopefully. And Peacekeeper, a spinoff series from Suicide Squad, which is really fascinating. So a lot to try to talk about next week on Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, any final thoughts, Thomas, before we uh, leave it with a movie quote of the week? Oh, well, it's always a pleasure to be back and uh, hopefully be back in studio before too long. Absolutely. Uh, movie quote of the week does come from Sidney Poitier. We are all imperfect and life is simply a perpetual unending struggle against those imperfections. I love that. I love that. I love that. And we appreciate you spending time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. You can always email us info at c 19 uh, dot tv and we appreciate you spending the time with us no matter how that is through c19 tv or through wgwg the radio or the tv version we thank you so much until next time for thomas manning and for all of us here the cast and crew of meet me at the movies that's a wrap